I mostly read public domain books here on Glenn Reads Books to You, and they were written a long time ago, so they're usually racist or sexist or bigoted. But in there somewhere is a story, and uh, that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist. But they might have uh, adult language or adult situations, like, uh, oh, I don't know, making sex. Uh, So that's your warning. But I'm sure you're grown up enough to handle it. Uh, Don't write to me complaining. Oh, uh, you're back. You keep coming back every goddamn week for me to read stories to you. Don't you have any friends? Haven't you ever heard of the Meetup app? Do you want me to go find you the Meetup? Give me your phone. Give me your phone. I'm going to install Meetup app on there. Why don't you make your own goddamn friends? No? Fine. Welcome to the Glenn Reads Books to You Mansion. It's a fun little bit where I pretend to live in a mansion and not just recording in my basement. This is where I read the hottest public domain books and short stories. This week, uh, I'm going to keep reading uh, The Great Gatsby, because you keep coming back, by F. Scott Fitzgerald. A book that a friend of mine, Backy Wop, asked that I read uh, around two years ago. And uh, I took forever and I finally got to it. So you can find him at versimilitudino.us, which you'll never be able to spell, so I'm putting it in the notes, uh, the show notes. Want to hear about the author? Sure. Uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald is born September 24th, uh, 1896, and he died December 21st, 1940. Francis Scott Key Fitzgerald was an American novelist, essayist, and short story writer, and he's best known for his novels depicting the flamboyance and excess of the jazz age, a term that he popularized in his short story collection called Tales of the Jazz Age. During his lifetime, he published four novels, four story collections, and 164 short stories, which, if you listen to uh, episode two or chapter two of this book, we find out that basically his wife Zelda pretty much did all the writing. So 164 short stories, probably just stole him out of Zelda's uh, diary, which is an actual real thing that he did. Although he achieved temporary popular success and fortune in the 1920s, Fitzgerald received critical acclaim only after his death and is now widely regarded as one of the greatest American writers of the 20th century. Uh, yeah. Want to hear a fun fact about this uh, turd? Well, he never lived in the same place for more than a few years. Isn't that fun? Despite earning a small fortune as a writer, Fitzgerald never owned a home and spent most of his life living out of rented houses, apartments, and high-class hotels. Between 1920 and 1940, he lived variously in New York City, eh? Eh, uh, Connecticut, yeah. Uh, oh, my home state, Minnesota. That's because he was born here. I don't know if that really counts. He took off as soon as he could. Long Island, eh? Paris, the French Riviera, Rome, Los Angeles, Delaware, Switzerland, Baltimore, and North Carolina. Fitzgerald's inner nature is due in part to his attempts to escape his hard-partying lifestyle and find peace and quiet to write. But he also occasionally moved to cities where his mentally ill wife Zelda was being hospitalized. Uh, He kind of kept throwing her in those places, accusing her of being mentally ill. Uh, We never know the extent of what her issues were. But with that, uh, why don't we dive into the next chapter of this story? Oh, 
Well, there you are. You finally made your way down here to the library of my mansion. Get it? It's the bit I do where I pretend my house is big. Uh, chapter 5. When I came home to West Egg that night, I was afraid for a moment that my house was on fire. Yes, yes. Two o'clock and the whole corner of the peninsula was blazing with light, which uh, fell unreal on the shrubbery and made the thin, elongating glints upon the uh, roadside wires. Uh, turning a corner, I saw it was Gatsby's house. He <laughs> lived from tower to cellar. At first, I thought it was another party, a wild rout that had been resolved itself into a hide-and-go-seek or sardines in the box. What the hell is that? With all the house thrown open to the game. But there wasn't a sound, only wind in the trees, which blew the wires and made the lights go off and on again as if the house had winked into darkness. As my taxi groaned away, I saw Gatsby walking toward me across his lawn. Hey, yeah, your place looks like the world's fair, I said. Does it? He turned his eyes uh, uh, toward it absently. I've been glancing into some of the rooms. Uh, let's go to Coney Island, old sport, in, uh, in my car. Yeah, it's too late. Well, I suppose we take a plunge in the swimming pool. I haven't made use of it all summer. I've got to go to bed. All right. He waited, looking at me with suppressed eagerness. Uh, I talked with Miss Baker, I said after a moment. I'm going to call up Daisy tomorrow and invite her over here to tea. Oh, that's all right, he said carelessly. I don't want to put you to any trouble. Uh, what day would suit you? What day would suit you, in all caps? He corrected me quickly. I don't want to uh, put you in any trouble, you see. Well, how about the day after tomorrow? He considered for a moment. Then, with reluctance, I want to get the grass cut. He said, what the hell is going on in this conversation? We both looked at the grass. Ah, there was a sharp line where my ragged lawn ended and a darker, well-kept expanse of his began, and I suspected that he meant my grass. Oh, there's another little thing, he said uncertainly and hesitated. Hey, would you rather put it off for a few days, I asked. Oh, it isn't about that. At least, a big, long M-dash, he fumbled with a series of beginnings. Why, I thought... Uh, why, look here, old sport. Uh, you, don't, you don't make much money, do you? Yeah, not very much. You seemed to reassure him, and he continued more confidently. I thought if you didn't, uh, if you'll pardon my... Uh, you see, I, I carry on a little business on the side, a sort of sideline, you understand, and I thought that if you don't make uh, very much... Burp, you're selling bonds, aren't you, old sport? Yeah, trying to... Well, this would interest you. Uh, it wouldn't take up much of your time, and you might pick up a nice bit of money. It happens to be a rather confidential sort of thing. And I realize now that under different circumstances, that conversation may have been one of the crises of my life. But because the offer was obviously and tactlessly for a service uh, to be rendered, I had no choice except to cut him off there. I've got my hands full, I said. Well, I'm much obliged, but I wouldn't uh, take on any more work. Oh, you, you wouldn't have to do any business with Wolfsheim. Evidently, he thought that I was shying away from the Ganakaton. Oh, God, is this going to be some kind of racist, racist or anti-Semitic term? Let's look it up. Uh, Wikipedia's got nothing. Translation, nothing. Dictionary, nothing. Ganakaton. That's it. Fine. I'm getting on the internet. We're looking this up. G... O N N E G T I O N. Noun. I dialect spelling of connection. What the fuck does that mean? Pronunciation spelling of connection. What? 
That doesn't make any goddamn sense. Other word forms of ganakatin. Ganakatin. Plural. Show me how to say it. The internet is useless. Urban Dictionary. WordSenseEU. AllDictionary.com. There's a term found in the novel, uh, novel The Truly Amazing Gatsby. What, they just make this up? Meyer Wolfsheim erroneously takes Nick for a criminal and asks if he's finding a Ganoshin. Your message is a misspelling of the term connection. Connection? How am I supposed to say this? To be able to focus on Mr. Wolfshine's pronunciation, many individuals happen through the term because they don't scramble dictionaries. Sure they okay, well, basically the internet doesn't know, so that's completely useless. I'm just going to say that it's anti-Semitic. Mentioned at lunch, but I assured him he was wrong, and he waited a moment longer, hoping I'd begin a conversation, uh, but I was uh, too absorbed to be responsive, so he went unwillingly home. The evening had made me lightheaded. Oh, and happy. I think I walked into a deep sleep as I entered my front door. (laughs) So I didn't know whether or not Gatsby went to Coney Island uh, or for how many hours he, quote, glanced into rooms, unquote, while his house blazed gaudily on. I called up Daisy from the office next morning and invited her to come to tea. Uh, Don't bring Tom, I warned her. Uh, What? Don't bring Tom. Who is Tom? She asked innocently. (laughs) I get it. That's fun. And the day agreed upon was pouring rain. At 11 o'clock, a man in a raincoat dragging a lawnmower tapped my front door and said that Mr. Gatsby had sent him over to cut my grass. This reminded me that I had forgotten to tell my Finn to come back, so I drove into West Egg Village searching for her among soggy, whitewashed alleys and to buy some cups and lemons and flowers. And I... Flowers were unnecessary, uh, for at two o'clock, a greenhouse arrived from Gatsby's with innumerable receptacles to contain it. An hour later, the front door opened nervously, and Gatsby, in a white flannel suit, a uh, silver shirt, and gold color tight, oh, he hurried in. Oh, he is pale, and there was dark signs of sleeplessness beneath his eyes. Is, is everything all right? He asked immediately. Uh, the grass looks fine, if that's what you mean. Uh, what grass? He inquired blankly. Oh, the, uh, the, the grass in the yard. He looked out the window at it, but judging from his expression, I don't believe he saw a thing. Ah, looks very good, he remarked faintly. What are the, what are the papers said that they thought that the rain would stop at four? <clears throat> but I think it's the jour, the journal. It's the word journal, but they hyphenated it in all caps. This book's getting more confusing the longer I read it. Have you got everything you need in shape of dash of tea? I took him into the pantry, where he looked a little reproachfully at the fin. Together we scrutinized the twelve lemon cakes from the delicatessen shop. Will they do? I asked. Of course, of course. They're they're fine, he added hollowly. Old sport. Well, the rain cooled about half past three to a eh, damp mist. Uh, throw, in a, throw in occasional thin drops swam like dew. Gatsby, uh, well, he looked at vacant eyes through a copy of Clay's Economics, and that's in all caps, starting at the finished tread that shook the kitchen floor and peering toward the bleared windows from time to time as if a series of invisible but alarming happenings were taking place outside. Finally, he got up and informed me in, a, in an uncertain voice uh, that he was going to go home. Yeah, well, why's that? Nobody's coming to tea. It's too late. He looked at his watch as if there was some pressing demand on his time elsewhere. I can't wait all day. Well, don't be silly. It's just two minutes to four. 
He sat down miserably, as if I had pushed him, and simultaneously there was the sound of a motor turning in my lane. Oh, we both jumped up and a little harrowed myself, and I went onto the yard. Under the dripping bare lilac trees, a large open car was coming up the drive. It stopped. Daisy's face tipped sideways beneath the three-cornered lavender hat, looked out at me with a bright, ecstatic smile. Ah, is this absolutely where you live, my dearest one? Sounds kind of insulting. The exhilarating ripple of her voice was a wild tonic in the rain. I had to follow the sound of it for a moment up and down with my with my ear alone uh, before any words came through. A damp streak of hair lay like a dash of blue paint across her cheek, and her hand was... Our hand was wet with the glistening drops as I took it to help her from the car. Are you in love with me? She said, low in my ear. That's weird. Or why did I have to come alone? Ah, that's the secret of Castle Rack Rent. What? Rack Rent? Rack Dash Rent? I hate this book. Tell your chauffeur to go far away and spend an hour. And he'll come back in an hour, Ferdy. Then, in a grave murmur, his name is Ferdy. Does the gasoline affect his nose? I don't think so, she said innocently. Why? Well, we went in, and to my overwhelming surprise, the living room was deserted. Well, that's funny, I exclaimed. What's funny? As she turned her head, and there was a light, dignified knocking at the front door. I went out and opened it. Gatsby, pale as death, with his hands plunged like weights in his coat pockets, was standing in a puddle of water, glaring tragically into my eyes. With his hands still in his coat pockets, he stalked by me into the hall, turned sharply as if he were on a wire, and disappeared into the living room. Uh, It wasn't a bit funny. Aware of the loud beating of my own heart, I pulled the door uh, to against the increasing rain. Uh, For half a minute, there wasn't a sound, and from the living room, I heard a sort of choking murmur and uh, part of a laugh followed by Daisy's voice on a clear, artificial note. I certainly am awfully glad to see you again. A pause. It endured horribly. I had nothing to do in the hall, so I went into the room. Gatsby, his hands still in his pockets, was reclining against the mantelpiece in a strained counterfeit of uh, perfect ease, even of uh, ooh, pfft, boredom. His head leaned back so far that it rested against the face of a defunct mantelpiece clock, and from his position, his distraught eyes stared down at Daisy, who was sitting, frightened but graceful, on the edge of a stiff chair. Ah, oh, we've met before, muttered Gatsby. His eyes glanced momentarily at me, and his lips parted with an abortive attempt at a laugh. What does that sound like? <laughs> All right. Luckily, the clock took his moment to, to tilt dangerously at this pressure of his head, whereupon he turned and caught it with trembling fingers and set it back in place. And then he uh, sat down rigidly, his elbow on the arm of the sofa and his chin in his hand. Uh, sorry about the clock, he said. Oh, my own face had now assumed a deep tropical burn. I couldn't muster up a single commonplace out of the thousand in my head. It's, a, it's an old clock, I told them indignantly. Uh, I think we all believed for a moment that it had smashed into pieces on the floor. We haven't met for many years, said Daisy, her voice uh, as matter-of-fact as it could ever be. Uh, five years next November. The automatic quality of Gatsby's answer set us all back at least another minute, and I had them both on their feet with the desperate suggestion that they help me make tea in the kitchen when the demonic uh, Finn brought it in on a tray. Amid the welcome confusion of cups and cakes and a certain physical decency uh, established itself, and Gatsby got himself in a shadow, and while Daisy and I talked, looked conscientiously from one to the other uh, with, with a tense, 
unhappy eyes. However, as calmness wasn't at an end itself, I made an excuse at the first possible moment and got to my feet. Hey, where are you going? demanded Gatsby in immediate alarm. Oh, I'll be back. I gotta speak to you about something before you go. And he followed me wildly into the kitchen, closed the door and whispered, Oh, God, in a miserable way. Oh, it's a matter. Oh, this is a terrible mistake, he said, shaking his head from side to side. A terrible, terrible mistake. Now you're just embarrassed, that's all. I And luckily I added, Daisy's embarrassed too. She's embarrassed, yeah? He repeated incredulously. Just as much as you are. Well, don't talk so loud. Well, you acted like a little boy, I broke out impatiently. Not only that, but, you, but you're rude. Daisy's sitting in there all alone. He raised his hand to stop my words and looked at me with an unforgettable reproach and, opening the door cautiously, went back into the other room. I walked out the back way, just as Gatsby had been when he made his nervous circuit of the house about a half hour before and ran to a huge black knotted tree whose massed leaves made a fabric against the rain. Once more it was pouring, and my irregular lawn, well shaved by Gatsby's gardener, abounded in small muddy swamps and prehistoric marshes. There was nothing to look at from under the tree except Gatsby's enormous house, so uh, I stared at it like Kant at his church steeple, uh, for half an hour. Uh, a brewer had built it early in the, quote, period craze a decade before, and there was a story that he had agreed to pay five years' taxes on all the neighboring cottages if the owners would have their roofs thatched with straw. Perhaps their refusal uh, took the heart out of his plan, and he found a family. So he went into immediate decline. His children sold his house with a black wreath still on the door. Americans while occasionally willing to be serfs, have always been obstinate about being peasantry. Uh, after half an hour, the sun shone again in the grocer's automobile, rounded Gatsby's drive with the raw material for his servant's dinner. I felt sure he wouldn't eat a spoonful. A maid began opening the upper windows of his house and appeared momentarily at each. Oh, and leaning from a large central bay, spat! Eh? meditatively in the garden. Oh, this time I went back, and while the rain continued, it seemed like uh, the murmur of their voices, rising and swelling a little now and then with gusts of emotion. But in the new silence, I felt that silence had fallen within the houses, too. Well, that made me horny. Uh, why don't we go up to my master bedroom, where I can read to you the latest upcoming romance novels from Penguin Random House Books. Go on, get upstairs. I'll see you up there in a second. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, there you are. You finally made it up here to my master bedroom. Ah, beautiful, silken room. I literally put silk as wallpaper on my walls. My bed is heart-shaped. I got rid of the water bed because it kept breaking all the time. Those sharp points, like the heart-shaped thing, it just kept uh, springing leaks all the time. So I kept thinking I was pissing myself when I woke up in the morning, but it turned out I was just sitting in a wet bed. So it's just a normal a normal bed, uh, unfortunately, but at least the sheets are silky. Get in here. Snuggle up with me. Uh, and, and you uh, look weirdly like Nick Lachey. Is that on purpose? Uh, uh, you got the nose and the weird kind of pouty lips and the weird brow that comes down like you're always fussed. 
Is there a reason? Oh, you're throwing this, waving this book around. Romantic Comedy by Curtis Sittenfeld. Uh, about romantic comedy? Nah, a comedy writer thinks she's sworn off love until a dreamy pop star... Oh, Nick Lachey, you are dreamy. Flips the script on all her assumptions. A hilarious, observant, and deeply tender novel from the New York Times bestselling author, Eligible Rodham and Prep. Ugh. Sally Mills is a sketch writer for the Night Owls, a late-night comedy show that airs every Saturday. I wonder what the hell that's supposed to be. Uh, with a couple of heartbreaks under her belt, she's long abandoned the search for love, settling instead for the occasional hookup, eh, career success, and close relationship with her stepfather to round out a satisfying life. But when Sally's friend and fellow writer Danny Horst begins dating Annabelle, a glamorous actress who guest-hosted the show. Uh, he joins the not-so-exclusive group of talented but average-looking and even dorky men at the show and in society at large who've gotten romantically involved with incredibly beautiful and accomplished women. Apparently this person's got a lot of opinions. Sally channels her annoyance into a sketch called The Danny Horst Rule, uh, poking fun at this phenomenon while underscoring how unlikely it is that the reverse would ever happen for a woman. Enter Noah Brewster, a pop music sensation with a reputation for dating models who signed on as both host and musical guest for this week's show. Dazzled by his charms, Sally hits it off with Noah instantly. And as they collaborate on one sketch after another, oh, she begins to wonder if there might actually be sparks flying. Ah, but this isn't a romantic comedy. It's real life. And in real life, someone like him would never date someone like her. Three dots, right? Question mark. Ah, with her keen observations and trademark ability to bring complex women to a life on the page, Curtis Sittenfeld explores the neurosis-induced and heart-fluttering wonder of love while slyly dissecting the social rituals of romance and gender relations in the modern age. All right, that's Romantic Comedy by Curtis Sittenfeld. Category, women's fiction, romance, literary fiction. It's in hardcover for 28 bucks on April 4th. Uh, you can get it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Bookshop.org, Hudson Booksellers, uh, Powell's, Target, and Walmart. Why don't we uh, go back down to the library and continue reading this book? And if you do me a personal favor, uh, you do it all the time against my will anyways, but I want you to continue looking like Nick Lachey, because I would love to gaze into Nick Lachey's face as I continue reading about horrible people uh, in this book. Oh, there you are. I took, oh, you took off the Nick Lachey face. You removed the prosthetic rubber nose and the prosthetic pouty little rubber lips. When I ask you to do something, you basically do the opposite. Now that I know your trick, I'm just going to do this all the time. I don't want you to wear the dumb hat or outfit. I'll just say, keep it on. You'll take it off. Now it has become a game of cat and also cat. And I am the largest cat. I went in after making every possible noise in the kitchen, short of pushing over the stove. <laughs> that's that's fun. That's a kooky little thing to say. But I don't believe they heard a sound. No, they were sitting at either end of the couch, looking at each other as if some question had been asked or was in the air, and every vestige of embarrassment was gone. Daisy's face that was smeared with tears. And when I came in, she jumped up and began wiping at it with her handkerchief before a mirror. But there was a change in Gatsby that was simply confounding. 
He literally glowed. That's weird. Without a word or gesture of exultation, a new well-being radiated from him and filled the little room. Oh, uh, uh, hello, old sport, he said, as if he hadn't seen me for years. I thought for a moment that he was going to shake hands. It stopped raining. Has it? Uh, when he realized what I was talking about, that there was a tw- uh, twinkle bells of sunshine in the room. What the hell are tw- twinkle bells of sunshine? This is where Zelda didn't have anything to do with his chapter. She was probably like forced to go to another home, and then he wrote this chapter on his own. It's just horseshit. Uh, he smiled like a weatherman. What? Like an ecstatic patron of recurrent light, and repeated the news to Daisy. What do you think of that? It stopped raining. I'm glad Jay, her throat full of aching, grieving beauty, told only of her unexpected joy. I want you and Daisy to come over to my house, he said. I'd like to show you around. Are you sure you you want me to come? Absolutely, old sport. Daisy went up the stairs to wash her face. Too late, I thought, with humiliation of my towels. (laughs) Women. While Gatsby and I waited on the lawn. My house looks well, doesn't it? He demanded. See how the whole front of it catches the light. I agreed that it was splendid. Yes. His eyes went over it. Every arched door and square tower. Oh, it took me just three years to earn the money that bought it. I thought you inherited your money. I did, old sport, he said automatically. But I lost most of it in the big panic. The panic of the war. I think he hardly knew what he was saying, for when I asked him what business he was in, he answered, Oh, that's my affair, before he realized that it wasn't the appropriate reply. Oh, uh, I've been in several things, he corrected himself. I was in the drug business, uh, then I was was in the oil business, but I'm not neither one now, he looked at me with more attention. Uh, Do you mean that you've been thinking over what I proposed the other night? Before I could answer... Daisy came out of the house, and two rows of brass buttons on her dress gleamed in the sunlight, really focused on the sun. Oh, that huge place. There, she cried, pointing. Do you like it? Oh, I love it. But I'll see how you live there all along. I keep it always full of interesting people, night and day. People who do interesting things. Celebrated people. Instead of taking the shortcut along the sound, we went down the road and entered by the big poster. Uh, With enchanting murmurs, Daisy admired this aspect of that feudal silhouette against the sky and admired the gardens, the sparkling odor of John Quills and the frothy odor of Hawthorne and Plum Blossoms and the pale gold odor of Kiss Me at the Gate. It was uh, strange to reach the marble steps and find no stir of bright dresses in and out of the door and to hear no sound but bird voices in the trees. Bird voices? Again, Zelda had nothing to do with this chapter. Bird voices in the trees. And inside, as we wandered through Marie Antoinette music rooms and restoration salons, I felt that there were guests concealed behind every couch table, (laughs) under orders of breathlessly silent until we had passed through. Uh, As Gatsby closed the door, the Merton College Library, I could have sworn I heard the owl-eyed man break into ghostly laughter. Well, we went upstairs uh, through period bedrooms swathed in rows of lavender silk and vivid with new flowers, uh, through dressing rooms and pool rooms and bathrooms and sunken baths, intruding into one chamber where a disheveled man uh, in pajamas was doing liver exercise on the floor. What the hell's a liver exercise? My wife's a nurse. Honey, what's a liver exercise? Does that make any sense to you? A liver exercise on the floor. You're not the best nurse. <laughs> <laughs> it was Mrs. Mr. Clipspringer. 
Oh, the border. I had seen him wandering hungrily about the beach that morning, and finally we came to Gatsby's own apartment, a bedroom and a bath, and an Adam's study, where we sat down and drank a glass of some chartreuse and took from a cupboard on the wall. Oh, he hadn't once ceased looking at Daisy, and I think he uh, revalued everything in his house according to the measure of response it drew from her well-loved eyes. Sometimes, too, he started around at his possessions uh, in, a, in a dazed way, as though in her actual and astounding presence none of it was any longer real. Once he nearly toppled down a flight of stairs. Uh, his bedroom was the simplest room of all, except where the dresser was garnished with a toilet set of pure dull gold. Daisy took the brush with delight. What? And smoothed her hair. Oh, she's just combing her hair in his bedroom. Whereupon Gatsby sat down and shaded his eyes and began to laugh. Yeah, 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 it's the funniest thing, old sport, he said hilariously. I can't when I try to. And he passed visibly through two states and was entering upon a third. After his embarrassment and his unreasoning joy, he was consumed with wonder at her presence. He had been full of the idea so long dreamed it right through to the end, and waited with his teeth set, so to speak, in an inconceivable pitch of intensity. Now, in the reaction, he was running down like an overwhelmed clock. Recovering himself in a minute, he opened up uh, for us two hulking uh, patent cabinets, which held his masked suits and dressing gowns and ties and his shirts uh, piled like bricks and stacks a dozen high. I've got a man in England who buys me clothes. <laughs> he sends over a selection of things at the beginning of each season, spring and fall. Uh, he took out a pile of shirts and began throwing them one by one before us, shirts of sheer linen and thick silk and fine flannel, which lost their folds as they fell and covered the table in many discolored disarray. Oh, while we admired and bought more of the soft, rich heap mounted higher uh, shirts with stripes, yeah, stripes and scrolls and plaids in coral and apple green. Oh, and lavender and uh, <clears throat> and uh, a faint orange and monograms of Indian blue. Suddenly, with a strained sound, Daisy bent her head into the shirts and began to cry stormily. Again, stormily, bad writing. Oh, there's such beautiful shirts, she sobbed, her voice muffled in the thick folds. It makes me sad because I've never seen such, dash, such beautiful shirts before. After the house, we were to see the grounds and the swimming pool and the hydroplane and the midsummer flowers, but outside Gatsby's window, it began to rain again. So we stood in a <laughs> row, bless you, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> at the corrugated surface of the sound. If it uh, wasn't for the mist, we could see your home across the bay, said Gatsby. You always have a green light that burns all night at the end of your dock. Daisy put her arm through his abruptly, uh, but he seemed absorbed in what he had just said. Possibly it occurred to him that the... Are you holding in your sneezes now? It's okay. You can sneeze on my show. Oh, what was that? Hairball? <laughs> if you're not going to contribute to my show uh, constructively... What are you doing? Scratching my crotch. Are you scratching your crotch? Oh, I want to see. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice. Wow, it's, the way you move your hand, it's like you have a little dolphin in your pants. <laughs> if it wasn't for the mist, we could see your home across the base at Gatsby. You always have a green light. Oh, I just read this part. Daisy put her arm. Uh, possibly it occurred to him that the colossal significance of that light had now vanished forever. Compared to the great distance that had separated him from Daisy, it seemed uh, very near to her, almost touching her. 
It had seemed as close as a star to the moon. Now, as it again, a green light on the dock, his count of enchanted objects had diminished um, by one. I began to, oh, I don't know, walk about the room, examining various inf- uh, indefinite objects in the half-darkness, and a, a large photograph of an elderly man in yawning costume attracted me, hung on the wall over his desk. Hey, 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 who is this? That? That's Mr. Dan Cody, old sport. The name sounded faintly familiar. Uh, he's dead now. He used, to, he used to be my best friend years ago. Uh, there's a small picture of Gatsby. Also in a yachting costume on the bureau, Gatsby, with his head thrown back, defiantly, taken apparently when he was about, uh, oh, I don't know, 18. I adore it, exclaimed Daisy. The pompadour. You never, you never told me you had a pompadour. Or a, or a yacht. Oh, look at this, said Gatsby quickly. There's a lot of clippings about you. They stood side by side, examining it. Oh, I was going to ask to see the rubies when the phone rang and Gatsby took up the receiver. Yes. Dot, 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 then a space and a period, then a lowercase w. Well, I can't talk now. Dot, 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 space, period. I can't talk now, old sport. Dot, 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 space, period. I said a small town in all caps. Dot, 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 space, period. He must know what the small town is. Well, he's uh, no use to us in Detroit if his idea of a small town, dot, 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 space, period. He rang off. Come here quick, cried Daisy at the window. Well, the rain was still falling, but the darkness had parted in the west and there was a pink and golden billow of foamy clouds above the sea. Look at that, she whispered. And then after a moment, I'd like to just get one of those pink clouds and put it in, and put it in and push you around. I tried to go then, but they wouldn't hear it. Perhaps my presence made them feel more satisfactorily alone. Uh, I know what we'll do, said Gatsby. We'll have Clip Springer play the piano. He went out of the room, calling Ewing, and returned in a few minutes, accompanied by an embarrassed, slightly worn young man, with shell-rimmed glasses and a scanty blonde hair. He was now decently clothed in a sport shirt, in quotes, open at the neck, sneakers, eh? duck trousers, of a nebulous hue. Uh, d- uh, did we interrupt your exercises? inquired Daisy politely. Too bad we don't know what those exercises are. Too bad we don't have a trained medical professional that could tell us what those were. I was asleep, cried Mr. Klipschwinger in a spasm of embarrassment. That is, I'd been asleep, then I got up. Three dots, space, period, end quote. Klipschwinger plays the piano, said Gatsby, cutting him off. Don't you, ewing, old sport? I don't play well. I don't. I hardly play at all. I'm out of. Uh, I'm all out of practice. Well, we'll go downstairs. Interrupted Gatsby, and he flipped a switch. The gray windows disappeared as the house glowed full of light. In the music room, Gatsby turned on a solitary lamp beside the piano, and he lit Daisy's cigarette from a trembling match and sat down with her on a couch far across the room, where there was no light save that the gleaming floor bounced in from the hall. When Clipspringer had played. Uh, in all caps, the love nest. He turned around on the bench and searched unhappily for Gatsby in the gloom. I'm all out of practice, you see. I told you I can't play. I'm all out of prac. Big M dash. Uh, don't talk so much, old sport, commanded Gatsby. Play. In all caps, in the morning, in the evening, ain't we got fun? Outside, the wind was loud and there was a faint glow of thunder uh, along the sound. 
Uh, all, all the lights were going on in West Egg now, and the electric trains, uh, men carrying, were plunging home through the rain from New York. It was the hour of a profound human change. The excitement was generating on the air. In all caps, one thing sure and nothing sure, the rich get richer, the poor get dash children. In the meantime, in between time, and as I sat, uh, went over <laughs> to say goodbye, I saw the expression of bewilderment had come back into Gatsby's face, as though a faint doubt had occurred to him as to the quality of his present happiness. Almost five years! Oh, there must have been moments when that afternoon when Daisy tumbled short of his dreams, though not through her own fault, but because of the colossal vitality of his illusion. It had gone beyond her, beyond everything. He had thrown himself into it with a creative passion, adding to it all the time, decking it out eh, with every bright feather that drifted his way. No amount of fire eh, or freshness can challenge what a man will store up in his ghostly heart. As I watched him, he adjusted himself a little, visibly. His hand took hold of hers, and, and as she said something low in his ear, he turned toward her with a rush of emotion. I think that voice held him most, with its fluctuating, feverish warmth, because it couldn't be overdreamed. That voice was a deathless song. Now they've forgotten me, but Daisy glanced up and held out her hand. Gatsby didn't know me now at all, and I looked once more at them, and they looked back at me, remotely possessed by intense life. Then I went out of the room and down the marble steps into the rain, leaving them there together. Oh, that was a lot of fun. Why don't we uh, go into the smoking room and review what the hell we just read? there you are. Uh, why don't we uh, plow through this? I got crap to do and I don't even want you in my house to begin with. So let's recap the story that, uh, or the chapter we just read. Gatsby convinces convinces Nick to have Daisy over for tea. It's raining out when Daisy shows up and Gatsby makes a dramatic uh, entrance, even though he's already there to begin with. They're awkward and Gatsby tries to look cool, but knocks burp over a clock. Gatsby whispers to Nick that uh, this is a mistake, but Nick makes him stick around. Things get better. Gatsby brings them over uh, to his place to, eh, you know, show off. And he shows them all the shirts and other clothes he's had made for him in England because he's got a guy that just buys him clothes. And Daisy cries because they're, uh, oh, God, they're so beautiful. Gatsby points out uh, the green light on Daisy's dock, and he gets interrupted by uh, another phone call. Uh, Cliff Springer is there because he's a bum, and Nick forces him to play the piano because that's what you do with people that leech off you. Nick hears a, a faint roar of thunder, and Nick thinks to himself about how it's, a, how it's, a, it's about change. And uh, Nick wonders if Daisy fell short of Gatsby's expectations. Uh, what's good? Normally I say the writing is pretty good. This time I could tell Zedla had nothing to do with it. There was a lot of really tacky things that he said, if you go back and listen. Uh, really tacky and clumsy attempts at trying to be uh, artful in his writing. What sucks? That he was trying to be artful in his writing, but uh, his wife wasn't around to do this chapter for him, so he blew it. Uh, what do we learn? The symbolism is thick. Knocking over the clock. Eh, that could represent, uh, well, I don't know, 
lost time in Gatsby's relationship or his rejection of time when he's trying to win her back. I don't know. It's clumsy and lazy. Daisy's reaction to his shirts uh, is hilarious, but it also shows that she's just really selfish and uh, kind of a shallow person where she can allow herself to possibly love this guy she loved once now that he has money. So maybe that's where all the crying came from. She's just relieved she can love someone that's actually uh, probably good for her, uh, but, you know, he's got to be rich enough. Uh, the, the green light is talked about again and again, represents the distance he has to cross to get what he wants, or uh, her beckoning him uh, from the past, or the distance of time. Or, I don't know, I don't care anymore. And the heavy handed roar of thunder uh, foreshadows coming drama, or the coming change in perspective for Gatsby. Or maybe it's just the misdirection to make you think something's going to happen to Daisy. Uh, either way, it's sloppy, and I have a feeling this is where uh, F. Scott, his wife, wasn't around to help him. And even if she was, she probably came back and said, yeah, this chapter's kind of horse shit. Uh, why don't you rewrite it and get rid of some of the really childish attempts at uh, trying to be a good writer? And he'd probably get all pissy. He's like, nah, I did a good job. You don't tell me. I'm a famous writer. And uh, and then went back to her diary and probably got all his best ideas. Uh, uh, and there's crap about the ghostly heart. There's a, a line about his ghostly heart. That was a little heavy-handed, and I thought it was stupid. Well, with that... Uh, <clears throat> oh, thank God! The grandfather clock's going off. Because I'm literally already done. And so I have nothing else to say. But the grandfather clock is supposed to tell me to shut up and for you to go the hell home. So with that, uh, you go home and try to make friends. And I uh, will go to bed. And uh, I will see you next week. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, I, I, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people. Not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com, which uh, basically just points you to Mastodon. Why did I go all in with Mastodon? I have no idea. But if you go there, it'll uh, point you to my link tree where you can listen to episodes, which is confusing uh, and meticulous. Uh, but if you want to go to just my link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Nuzzlehouse, it'll uh, point you to all the rest of my shows. Like uh, Glenn Reads Books to You, which you're listening to right now, uh, Just Stating the Curious Mind, where my wife and I uh, write uh, paranormal smut and then publish it on Amazon. And also Nuzzlehouse's CBS Radio Mystery Theater, where we basically create our own episodes of Radio Mystery Theater, a show from the 70s, uh, because they don't make them anymore. Damn it, we want to hear something new. Oh, I'm also on Instagram, uh, something that I try to use but dislike, which is uh, Instagram.com slash House Nuzzle. And uh, the lesser now, thanks to uh, Elon Musk, uh, Twitter. Used to be my home, and now I can't stand it, which is uh, Twitter.com slash House Nuzzle. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.Nuzzles at gmail.com. But don't, uh, don't email if you're a nerdling or a dork. 
Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's gotta be one left. 